I'm Sylvia Burgos Tofnes, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week, my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among the working poor. We get to make that choice every time we push a cart through the grocery store, visit the farmer's market, and eat at a restaurant. I hope you enjoy this interview. There are so many farms near us that also are into corn and soybean, mm-hmm. and every once in a while you see some oats, and of course now things are popping up in hops. Right. And so we now see these long stringed structures for hops. Some of our farmer friends are getting into hemp mm-hmm. because that law has been passed. But there are certain crops that are just a heck of a lot more difficult to spot mm-hmm. from the road. One of them, and sometimes you'll come across them, is ginseng. You'll see oh. little slatted structures mm-hmm. because ginseng requires some kind of shade. And, and Wisconsin is a source of ginseng. Mm-hmm. But there are others that are even more, let's say, uh, mysterious mm-hmm. than that. And one of them is mushrooms. Oh. But people do farm mushrooms. Really? Yes, they do. And they farm them in different ways. And today with us, we have Jeremy McAdams of Northwood Mushrooms to talk to us about what it is to be a mushroom farmer and to do it in a certified organic, sustainable fashion. Good morning, Jeremy. How are you? Uh, good morning, Sylvia. Nice to hear your uh, y'all's uh, comments today about uh, about your your cows. Very different from what we do. You're not kidding. You don't have livestock sitting out there. In fact, you don't have plants sitting out there because what are mushrooms? Are they a plant? No, uh, mushrooms are a different kingdom than either. Uh, your cattle or uh, plants, uh, uh, fungi. And, uh, I mean, one of the things that really interested me, uh, got me interested in in, uh, mushroom farming in the first place, is that they are so different and they have properties kind of of each. So, you know, obviously there's sort of these inert things that kind of grow uh, in some kind of medium like wood or or, uh, compost, but, but um, but they also, like, uh, and that's sort of like plants, but they uh, breathe uh, oxygen and exhale carbon dioxide like we do. So there's sort of a cross between those other those other things. Wow, interesting habits. Okay, I would suspect, Jeremy, that almost nobody knows much about growing mushrooms in our listening audience. Um, although, although now they're selling these various kits that you can mm. buy <laughs> in order to kind of experiment with this very different kind of growth, which is, once you get it into the kitchen, really super delicious. So the way that you grow mushrooms, if I was to visit your farm, what would I see? And kind of what's the process as you go from the beginning of the growing season to harvest? It's like like a ginseng structure. Um, because uh, most of our uh, production is under a shade structure, and then we also have a, a plastic greenhouse or high tunnel um, that are visible from the road. 
So, uh, yeah, the way we start is actually this time of year. So uh, we kind of like vegetable growers, they get their start um, um, in a greenhouse, maybe with with starts, um, plant starts. This time of year, um, we're out there uh, thinning uh, thinning logs, and then we uh, take those logs, we drill a bunch of holes in them, and then put the spores, or what we call it spawn, which is the mycelium, growing in sawdust, we put those in all those holes, and then over the course of the next year, those, uh, that's, that uh, mycelium will grow from those inoculation sites into the rest of the wood until it's, like, fully colonized. Now, and mycelium, yeah. is, is that, like, the roots? Yes, that's, the, that's really the, the roots, and it's, uh, it's what we'd say, really the organism. Ah. The, um, so when you see a mushroom growing out, what that really is, is kind of like a, an apple on a tree. Mm. You know, you can trim, you know, you can, uh, you can take that apple off or that mushroom off, and you're doing no damage at all um, to uh, the organism. Uh, basically, the mushroom is there as a way of reproducing, just like seeds, kind of like seeds are uh, for an apple tree. Got it. So the mycelium itself... Let's let, let's let's continue with that analogy of trees for as long as we can take it. Okay, so if the mushroom is like the apple, you know, it's the thing that is the fruit of the mycelium. The mycelium would be the apple tree and its roots, I would guess. Mm-hmm. And most of us have seen trees, so we're familiar with these structures that kind of pop up out of the soil and and some of them have fruit on them, and in this instance for our conversation, we're talking about apples. When you're talking about mycelium, this, this other kind of structure, so much of it occurs out of sight. <laughs> so your mycelium actually kind of uh, spreads throughout these logs that you use as their kind of growth structure? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, so... Uh, with a tree, they're absorbing a lot of, like you said, it, a lot of that activity is happening underground because there's such an inter, interdependent relationship between the soil and uh, and and the tree itself. Um, in in this case, the uh, tree is the the logs that we use are um, once we cut them, they're they're in a in a state of sort of controlled decay where the, the mycelium is breaking down and decaying that wood and drawing uh, all, all of its nutrition, uh, you know, all, it's that, that's like mushroom food is that, uh, is that wood that we're inoculating. So how long are these logs when we think about the logs yeah. that you use? Yeah, they're four foot long. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're, they're, uh, we try to keep to, for most of our logs, we try to keep to about... Uh, three to seven inches in diameter. Okay. Um, so each log is probably between, uh, thir- mostly between uh, 30 and 50 pounds. Okay. How many of these logs do you have on your farm? We have about 10,000. Each year we inoculate about another uh, 4,000 or so. I think we'll be doing a little bit um, over that. Um, and then uh, m- mushroom logs... Uh, you know, can keep fruiting for many years, but uh, for for an operation of our of our size and given the kind of work involved or whatever, we usually 
do the vast majority of our production um, happens in the second and third years of those logs. And then after that, we might keep those logs around, but uh, we do much less with them, and you know they just don't produce as much after that. Now, can you use just any old kind of wood, or is there some? Are there specific kinds of woods that you that you prefer? Um, you know, each uh, kind of mushroom that we grow uh, has a, a couple of um, preferred uh, woods that it likes. Uh, so, uh, you know, shiitake is our main uh, is our main crop, and. Uh, that one has a preference for harder hardwoods, like uh, especially oak uh, or ironwood, um, some uh, hard maples are um, also ones that we use. Okay. You know, whereas like uh, oysters, you know, they like, uh, you know, aspens or other soft hardwoods. Okay. Now, you get these logs, and I suspect that, well, I guess I'll just ask you, are they locally harvested? Yeah, so... Uh, what we what we do, um, uh, we either work with loggers or I think this year we're cutting our own uh, all our own logs, um, and that means you know developing a relationship uh, with log own, uh, with uh, woodland owners who are interested in thinning their forests. Um, uh-huh. a, a lot of the time, uh, these are uh, folks that um, are working with the DNR and really are required to follow, follow a forestry management plan um, that encourages, um, you know, sub, some types of species or ages, um, that sort of thing. So we're uh, we're going in there and uh, thinning, not clear cutting. Got um, it. You know, a lot of loggers up here um, with big trucks and equipment and. Uh, uh, those would be the companies that would be doing the clear cutting. So do you start with green wood, or do you have to season the wood before it can be used? Yes, uh, yeah, good question. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, uh, it's all green wood, uh, and the reason being is that that's where, when we cut it, there aren't any other, uh, uh, there aren't any other mushrooms that have, that have taken hold before we inoculate our own. Um, so, you know, and and also there are just all all those nutrients that are in the wood right when it's fresh. So it's kind of a combination of that. If you see an old log, you're often um, that's starting to decay. You're often going to see a mushroom growing out of it. Mm. All right. Now, is there any other kind of thing that? All right. So you you find the right wood, you cut it to the dimensions that you need. Is there any other kind of preparation that that log has to go through before you start creating the holes and and inoculating it? Not really. No, it's uh, you know we um, what what we do for convenience. We when we pick up those logs, um, cut them and pick them up. We bring them to our high tunnel and uh, put them inside just so that it's you know take a little bit of the uh, wind chill off. Um, it's still pretty cold inoculating this time of year, but we bring it up there. Um, we might trim off some branches that I missed when I was cutting and uh, you know we get uh, into drilling and inoculating and then you know one side of the high tunnel is uh, the logs we're bringing in the other side we stack up the ones that we've inoculated um, and then those will go out and lay close to traditionally that was in our uh, wooded part of our property but we're actually moving those to an expanded part of our uh, shade structure this year so it's a little closer an interesting thing I learned from your website, Jeremy, is that you actually began this work 
uh, in Minneapolis on I a did, city yeah. lot about 10 years ago. <laughs> How did that all start out? Well, uh, we, we, we're, we are from Minneapolis, at least for many years now, and uh, we still have a, that house that, um, where I started those uh, few mushrooms. So I had been an architect in, uh, in the cities there for uh, several years, and, uh, uh, and then in 08, it was just really hard to keep a job as, uh, as an architect, and I had been getting much more interested in uh, agriculture at that time and um, kind of got the mushroom bug. It was, where can I do this? Here uh, started about um, about a hundred logs and uh, and had them in our side yard there, and then it became sort of a market garden as I uh, had logs incubating and growing in um, other yards right in our neighborhood. Got it. <laughs> All right. So actually, you began as an urban farmer. I did. Yeah. And uh, I, I think your your if I'm understanding your history, you then moved to a spot in Maplewood, and also Ham Lake and eventually landed in Clayton. How long have you been in Clayton now? Well, it's been a, uh, almost three years now. So uh, and we're starting to, we're finally kind of moved in. So if I was to walk into your, let's say, your hoop house structure, what would I see? First of all, you might notice before that, you might notice um, a bunch of racks, um, which we use um, during, that are kind of like stalls, in a dairy barn, then then you would see yes um, stacks that are stacks of logs that are stacked kind of like you would uh, firewood, and then the other side you'll see some tarps. We uh, uh, and underneath those tarps you'd see the the recently inoculated logs, which you know it just looks like a grid of um, of, uh, of little white circles, which is because we once the once the spawn goes in, excuse me, we cap the, um, we we have to sort of seal those those uh, inoculation sites. One of the interesting things, I guess, I think about because here we are in winter, a mild day today, but you know it can go down to thirty below at any time now. Uh, you don't have to worry about things like heating a greenhouse, do you? No, we don't. I mean, there is no um, frost risk like that. So we can literally get a hard frost and still get mushrooms, um, uh, you know, after after that. Um, and then in the spring, you know, if it warms up for several days, and we, especially if we get some rain, um, you know, we'll uh, we can get some nice flushes of mushrooms. We have uh, we have several varieties, even of the shiitake. Some of which um, really like to to uh, fruit in those really low temperatures, just above freezing. Wow! Now, who do you sell your mushrooms to? We do um, even now have farmers markets, a couple of farmers markets in the cities, uh, especially Mill City uh, mm -hmm. Farmers Market, and then also St. Paul. We were also selling the last year on Sunday. Um, we also. Uh, sell through several vegetable uh, CSAs, the community-supported agriculture um, uh, farms. Um, and so, um, you know, basically we offer mushrooms as an add-on, we say, um, so people can choose to uh, pick up a, uh, to get a delivery in there with, it, with their vegetables of, you know, a, 
a quarter pound or a little more of mushrooms, um, not just from our farm, but also foraged mushrooms and, and so on. Jeremy, um, what, what's yeah. the major difference between the kind of mushrooms that you grow and the kinds of mushrooms that I see, let's say, in a conventional grocery store? You know, usually they're <laughs> kind of wrapped in plastic. Yep. What is, what is the difference there? Yeah, I mean, we, we, are, uh, we do actually a lot of grocery sales now, and uh, this last year we um, really were um, pushing some, a couple of new packaged um, wrapped uh, mushrooms. But I would say um, still, uh, like you said, the vast majority of mushrooms you're going to see in the stores um, um, are, uh, are wrapped like that, and they're... Um, most of them, even the specialty shiitake and oysters that you see, uh, were probably grown in plastic bags in a um, in a mix of uh, wood chips, straw, sawdust, uh, things like that. Um, and I really, I've got to say, um, I mean, people ask me, oh, they see how much work we go to because um, the logs are quite heavy. It, it just kind of slows everything down somewhat. Hmm. Um, but uh, the quality of what we have, uh, as far as um, I think the um, the richness and, and strength of flavor in in these mushrooms, um, is exceptional compared to those normal ones you'd see. Um, also, the texture is much more uh, robust. They have a longer shelf life. Um, mm. You know, I could go on. Okay. How long does it take between the time you inoculate a log? and they begin till you can actually harvest mushrooms? It depends on the mushroom and the, um, and the particular log. Um, we'll see mushrooms on oysters after even three months um, of incubating. Um, on the other hand, there's some uh, mushrooms that, uh, that you, don't see, you don't tend to see until about a year later. So it, it really does vary uh, depending on the one. But I'd say the majority of the, the mushrooms that we're uh, inoculating, like uh, most of our shiitake, are, are they're fr when we inoculate over the winter, most of them are starting to fruit in the fall of, uh, of that year, okay. about six months later. Now, you, you mentioned that sometimes, very often, the kinds of mushrooms that we'll come across at a conventional store might have been grown in a bag that was filled with compost and soil and other kind of stuff. So why have you chosen wood to grow your mushrooms in? You know, all these specialty mushrooms, most of the specialty mushrooms that we grow, work with, um, um, will only grow on woody products. It really is the only choice with certain specialty ones like that. Mm. So, Jeremy, how can people find out more about you? What if they want to buy some or know where yours are sold? Where can they go to find that out? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, so we, we actually have two websites because um, uh, we're, uh, our business name is Cherry Treehouse Mushrooms, which is how we uh, got a start. Um, but we have, uh, so if you wanted to go to Cherry Treehouse Mushrooms at, G, at um, uh, dot com, cherrytreehousemushrooms.com, they could find some information. Um, also, as you said, we um, we are also uh, this year we started going under the name of Northwood Mushrooms um, as well. So um, that's you could also go to uh, northwoodmushrooms.com. 
I visited both websites in the last couple of days, and they are chock full of great information and terrific photos. We have actually quite a large store of, of recipes, which we share with CSA members and uh, farmers market customers and so on. And, and we are, uh, you know, trying to get some more of those recipes online. We also, um, I got to put in a plug also for our mushroom butters and pates, which we started at the farmers market, but we now have um, a couple of. Um, uh, we, have, we there are a few stores in the Twin Cities that uh, co-ops that um, uh, carries those as well, as well as the farm table. Uh, uh, and now is carrying those as well. So that's obviously another um, another w- thing that you can do with mushrooms, and, you know, we've taken that extra step to do that. Right. Well, as we kind of wind up here, I guess a couple of last questions. One is, have there been any kind of surprising challenges as you've gone through this um, work of setting up and establishing and growing a good mushroom business? Well, I mean, I'd say that, you know, one of the biggest uh, challenges for us, for sure, has been, you know, just to really, um, you know, bring down costs for as much as possible. Mm. You know, like I said, there's a lot of uh, logistics in just moving around, uh, you know, a kind of heavy um, product. I mean, these logs are, uh, you know, just like... The, the effort to move those around in the in the best way possible, um, and then of course, uh, most recently there's been there you know there's more and more um, uh, required uh, reporting and such about food safety and things like that, which are great things, but uh, uh, that is a you know that is a new uh, challenge to um, many farmers who are uh, doing uh, especially who are doing wholesale as a primary uh, source of uh, their their revenue. You know, and that's something that I'm, I'm hoping more and more people realize is that uh, there's a lot of rule and regulation that farmers of all scale yeah. need to uh, be aware of and to follow in order to provide our customers and our families with not only food that's delicious, but also which is safe and nutritious. And so that's something that you, Dave Corbett, are very familiar with, having been in the dairy business for 30 years. Oh, boy. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And certainly now uh, selling 100% grass-fed beef, as I do to retail customers, um, you know, it's following and making sure that we're having our beef process at a USDA facility. Our pastures are now certified organic. Um, and Jeremy, are you certified organic? Yes, we are. And I think that uh, organic is important um, because of the... Um, the healthfulness of the product because, you know, there is going to be little or no uh, residual um, um, chemicals and whatever in the food. Organic does the best job at this point of, uh, uh, as, as a standard of uh, bringing up the quality of, uh, of uh, the land. Right. And certainly I think one of the things to keep in mind when we think about certified organic and the standards that we're all kind of working to, to make, to meet is that that's a starting place so that uh, we're making those standards stronger and we we think about the entire ecology as you said jeremy in order to um use it as a use organics as a as the starting point from which to actually build a regenerative local ecology visit my website bronxtobarn.com 
to download this and past interviews, to learn about my farm, and to reserve 100% grass-fed beef. We deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks.